Welcome to Peas on a Pod. My name is Peyton, and joining me is my cookie-loving brother, Parker Davila. How are those cookies treating you, man? Dude, these are so good. <laughs> are you, let me ask you, are you a, like, Chips Ahoy or an Oreo guy? Chips Ahoy, man. I know, oh, I, man. Like, right. like, everyone's big Oreo, but there's too much chocolate. See, I'm a big Oreo guy, so, you know, yin and yang, as I can always, do both. But... I can do both, but if I had to pick one, Chips Ahoy. All right. Well, uh, anyways, guys, welcome to the pod this week. We are, as always, going to talk about how this past week in football and maybe a little bit of college football as well as talk about some NBA coming up. But first and foremost, uh, how was your weekend? My weekend was uh, it was pretty good, man. There was uh, a lot of a lot of shaky performances, a lot, a lot of things that, you know, I I didn't expect this week to go the way it did uh, as far as uh, football goes. But um, I'm excited that we have an hour to really dig into it because there was just a lot that happened. There was. And just to talk about some news that happened, really it wasn't a ton of injuries uh, like we've seen over the past few weeks. The only injury updates we really had were uh, Kyron Williams and Debo Samuel are both going to be out a few weeks uh, as Kyron was placed on IR. Debo Samuel now has a hairline fracture in his shoulder. He's said to be out till the bye week, so he won't be back until I believe it's week 10 or 11 for the 49ers. The only other news that happened uh, today, actually, before we started recording, uh, Kevin Byard, the Titans safety, was traded to the Philadelphia Eagles. And the reason why I wanted to note this is because this is it coming off of the Eagles win last night, which we'll talk a little bit more about. Uh, this only solidifies their secondary and going forward in their quest to win a Super Bowl. And I don't know how you feel about Kevin Byard as a player, but he seemed like the only good defensive player in the secondary for the Titans left. Okay. So. I- I'll tell you this. I I just bought Madden 24. Me and Chase uh, play a lot of Madden Mm -hmm. when we have some time. And I actually played as a Tennessee Titans the other day, and he was the Buffalo Bills. And he was the only player on the defense of the Tennessee Titans that had an X-Factor. Like every team usually has two or three players that are like X-Factors on the defense. He was the only guy, and he was actually one of the only guys I really knew on the defense. Yeah. and he So that tells you how big of a deal he is in Tennessee. Yeah, he's been on all pro teams, and he's been one of the better safeties in the league for probably the last five years. So for him to go to a contending team like Philadelphia after being on Tennessee for these past few years, I'm really interested to see how he fits in there. Good thing for the Eagles. Not great for everybody else in the NFC. But um, I, I know we're going to get to talk about a lot about that game, but I think that while, while we're just on the topic of uh, this trade, I think that makes Philadelphia super, super scary, especially after you bring it up last week, that the Eagles' defense, that the front – uh, the defensive front they have to get to the quarterback, the pressure of putting on the quarterback. I think that's just going to make their defense that much scarier knowing there's an elite DB in the, in the mix. Yeah. I mean, along with Darius Slay and James Bradbury, I mean, they have three pro bowl caliber, if not borderline all pro caliber secondary players now, which is terrifying. So um, another thing that actually just broke right before we record is that uh, Giannis Atsukumpo reached a three-year extension with the Bucks. So, uh, as much as people want to probably speculate, oh, he's going to be leaving if the Dame thing doesn't work out right after this year, uh, it seems like he's there for the length of time that Dame might be there. And then once that plays its course, we'll see what happens with Giannis. But for the time being, it looks like these next few years, they're going to give this new duo a good chance to see how they can mesh together in Milwaukee. I, I mean, good duos don't always mesh together the first year. I mean, you know, no. sometimes they take a little bit of time, especially – two guys that are so dominant with the ball, you know, two guys that for their team, since they've pretty much been in the NBA have been the guy that, 
you know, he, he's they're the main piece. So yeah. I, I think that might take a minute to mesh for both of them. Uh, moving on to college football that happened this weekend. Uh, last week, we had one of the big top 10 matchups that actually lived up to the hype. This week, we had one that I, I would say was maybe a slight letdown in Ohio State defeating Penn State 20-12. to 12. Uh, A great win for Ohio State here. They really controlled this game pretty much from start to finish, even though it was tight for the majority of the first half. It didn't feel like Penn State was ever in control of this game. I don't know if, how much of this game you watch, but do you would you agree with me? I mean, it started off. I mean, obviously, it was very low scoring. Um, started off being a, you know, almost like a defensive chess match. Uh, yeah, what, you know, definitely. what there wasn't a whole lot of scoring from from either side or a whole lot of ball movement. It wasn't like they were driving down the field and getting to the fifty and punting. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a couple of three and outs from each side. I mean, dude, what's Penn State now like? Zero and ten in top ten matchups. They're they're really bad in top ten matchups, but yeah. I, uh, you know, you, you think that every time they get this top 10 matchup, you're like, okay, th- this has to be the one, you know, they look good enough this year to win this top 10 matchup. And I, I think the quarterback for Penn state played pretty bad. Yeah. Um, I think that was a big deal. He, he didn't play too hot, but I also wasn't too dazzled by Ohio state's performance. No, Ohio state seems like they're just going to be a death by a thousand cuts team where they're just going to play really good defense and they're going to do enough on offense to score about 20 points and they're going to hope to hold you to under 20 points in order to win games. I mean, we saw that against Notre Dame we saw that in this game and on the Penn state side of things. I mean, it sucks. They lost defensive end chop Robinson uh, to an injury mid game. And that was, he's by far their best defensive player, um, especially on the front seven. So that changed the game dramatically. And then um, on the Ohio state side of things, even without Amike Abuka, I mean, they, they still moved the ball. Okay. Against this pretty good Penn state, uh, defense, and especially Marvin Harrison Jr. He had the, one of those games where you understand why he's possibly the number one overall pick, if not for Caleb Williams. Moving on to the next game, uh, FSU defeated number 16 Duke 38-20. to And while the score may not reflect it for a lot of this game, it was pretty close and getting a little scary for FSU for the first three quarters. <laughs> You know, I, I thought this FSU game and, that, and the Alabama-Tennessee game were very similar. Um, you know, you look at this final score uh, because we're going to talk about the Alabama game next, but you look at the final scores, it's 38-20 and 34-20. Mm-hmm. But both Alabama and FSU were down multiple scores. Like FSU came back at halftime, but FSU started off really shaky. And then Alabama was down like all the way up till halftime, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, if I not believe a it was 20-7 at half. Yeah, so I, I just think both these games played out very similar. Um, and Tennessee and Duke kind of let – let them slip because I think Tennessee and Duke both could have walked away with a win this week with the way the game started. Yeah, and this is more of a testament to FSU and Bama's coaching staffs uh, really ingraining in their players to continue to have a steady mindset whenever you're down multiple scores in games like this where you can kind of go on tilt as a team and try to do too much to bring your team back. Just trust your philosophy and trust your process. In the next game, we had number 14, Utah, defeating number 18, USC, 34 to 32. A lot of people probably watched the end of this game uh, late at night, but really the main takeaway for this game is just that, number one, USC is officially out of playoff conversation. Actually, three things. Number two, Utah is going to be a sneaky contender for the Pac-12 once again because they still only have one loss, so we'll see. And then lastly, it seems like USC may have wasted a generational college quarterback and Caleb Williams. I can agree. You know, you say they wasted uh, Caleb Williams, but 
there's just so much more than a quarterback that it takes to, you know, make a good team. And sometimes even whenever you have the best quarterback, like you, you know, your defense, you know, it's one play or one, how many games of theirs have been within one score? A lot. Like, I think whenever they put, even whenever they played Arizona, like it yeah, was when a they one played score Arizona, game. I mean, like a lot of their games are just within one year. score. Yeah. I mean, you're looking at his offense, his offense put up 34 points. Against Arizona, their offense put up like forty something points. How many points does he have to put up for his team to win? You know, yeah. And what I mean by waste, I mean it's not like Caleb Williams is all of a sudden ruined by any means. It's just a matter of they have the best quarterback in the country, and when you have the best quarterback in the country, that should give you a good shot to compete for the title. And in this case, it didn't even get them close. Is what I'm saying. I, I think I think one thing this does do for Caleb Williams is that when he does get to the NFL, I think it makes him a little hungry. Knowing yeah. that he had, you know, that he didn't get that get that chance to walk into the league with a chip on his shoulder, you know, the of at least him making the playoffs or taking a team that's as bad as they are to a championship. So ho- hopefully he comes into the NFL really hungry because you know that's what we love is NFL football. So yeah, uh, another upset that took place: uh, University of Virginia, a, one of the worst teams in the FBS, if you ask me, defeated number ten UNC thirty-one to twenty-seven. A week after I was sitting here touting UNC as maybe a sneaky ACC contender, maybe could possibly steal a playoff spot. This is not a good sign for that particular narrative. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, UNC was looking to be really sneaky, but th- this loss is, is going to be huge on their schedule. Yeah, they, they have to win out at this point to even have a chance. This this is kind of a uh, it's a stain on their resume for the playoff for sure. Absolutely. So, uh, just to run through these next set of results, these are mostly just notes that these teams survived some scary games on Saturday. Uh, we have number five defeating Arizona State, 15-7. to seven. That was late at night. You may not have caught that one. You probably woke up and saw the result, and you were like, well, that was a lot closer than I expected it to be. And then you have number six, Oklahoma defeating UCF, 31-29. to 29. And uh, as much as I would have loved to see my UCF Knights get that one. Uh, yeah, me you know, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you too. But uh, Oklahoma was able to pull that one out. Number eight, Texas was able to pull out a win, a real close win against Houston, 31 to 24. They were up 21 nothing. I mean, <laughs> yeah. And then it yeah. ended up being 21 21. Yeah. And then even that last drive, they had like that spot that could, should have been a first down, and Houston yeah. had the ball, and the ref screwed that one up for them, which that's a bummer. Yeah. But yeah. Um, and then, you had, lastly, you had number 13, Ole Miss, defeating Auburn 28-21. to So, still kind of hanging in the SEC race there by, you know, remaining with only one loss to Bama. So, as far as any other games, that was pretty much it. Uh, going into this next week, not a real big week in college football. There's only a couple games that are probably worth going out of your way to watch. Uh, a big rivalry here in the South is going to be number one, UGA versus Florida. Cocktail party. Cocktail party is always massive. I always get a bunch of Snapchats. I always know a few people that are going. And that game's usually a good game. I mean, these last couple of years, I don't think it's been great because Georgia's just been so dominant. But I think this is a year where Georgia doesn't look as dominant as they have. And it could be scary for Georgia fans. Yeah, and UF's coming off a bye week and and their win against South Carolina the week before. So having a little bit of momentum, maybe they can be competitive in this game. Uh, the other game I would say that's important especially for the playoff conversation is actually number eight Oregon at number 13 Utah both these teams have one loss in the Pac-12 and this is pretty much in my opinion an elimination game as far as any kind of playoff conversation whoever loses this game is going to be completely out of the discussion oh absolutely I think this is winner go home for uh, either of these teams as far as like you're saying they're play. I mean obviously I think both these teams are 
easy bowl teams are gonna, you know, they're gonna they're gonna get a decent bowl game. But as far as playoff talk goes, I mean, yeah, the the winner of this game is, is gonna move a little closer, and the loser of this game is gonna be out of reach. Yeah, maybe in the Alamo Bowl. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> but number uh, three, Ohio State actually is going to Wisconsin. Um, Wisconsin hasn't looked great this year, but going to Wisconsin is always a decently tough test for any Big Ten teams. Uh, then you just have a couple other bouts in Oklahoma going to Kansas. Could be on upset alert. Kansas has been better than the history of that program would say in recent years. As you would know, they beat Texas last year. So uh, and then too. Yeah, and lastly, uh, number 20, Duke, goes to number 18, Louisville. This is another situation where Louisville only has one ACC loss. If they lose this game, they're out of the ACC race entirely. So that's really it for college football. Uh, I don't, I'm don't. i not going to do this a lot, but the NBA is starting this week. And if you're going to watch the NBA, at least for this first week, I know that people don't really watch regular season basketball. When we get into December, people check back in right after football season. But this is the first week of the NBA, and if you're not going to watch at least one game, I think there's something wrong with you if you consider yourself a sports fan. Would you say so? Yeah, I mean, not not necessarily there's something wrong with you, but I always like watching one. You know, first week NBA is here. I always get a little attached to it. Uh, it fades away until Christmas night, like you're saying. You said December, but Christmas night um, when there's nothing else really on TV and you end up watching the Warriors play the Lakers, you know, whatever the good matchup is that night. And then I really don't get back into basketball, basketball until about April. Yeah. So if you are going to watch some NBA this week, uh, tomorrow on Tuesday, we have the Lakers and Nuggets playing each other in Denver. That's a rematch of the conference finals from last year. And then we also have the Phoenix Suns going to take on the Golden State Warriors. And so that'll be the first time we see Chris Paul in a Golden State uniform, which I don't know about you and people have said this, but like, do you think that that's like a weird uniform for him to be in? You know, how some players don't look right in certain uniforms. Yeah. I mean, it, it does look a little funky. Yeah. Um, especially him wearing number three, which is what Jordan Poole wore yeah. last year. So <laughs> Funny. This, yeah. it, it's, it, it's just kind of strange, but, uh, it, it's more weird to me seeing Chris Paul and Steph on the court on the same team at the same time, you know, because yeah. they, they've had so many matchups against each other. Like the old meme of Steph Curry, just dropping Chris Paul to the ground. Right. Right. Um, it's almost like they wouldn't be on the same team. And, right. Especially considering are. the, you know, the Golden State and Clippers series that they had, you know, during the Lob City era Clippers. Yeah. Like, yeah. You were saying. Well, you so, know, okay. You, you see what KD did. So, and he yeah. got a ring. Some other games that are going to be upcoming this week. We have the uh, 76ers going to take on the Bucks with Damian Lillard making his debut. And along with that, we have the Phoenix Suns going to take on the Lakers. And then later in the week on Friday, we have the Miami Heat going to take on the Boston Celtics, which is sneakily a really heated rivalry in the East. So that should be fun to watch, especially it being Boston's home opener. And then you have Golden State going to the Kings uh, in Sacramento after their seven-game series they had in the playoffs last year. So a couple highlighted matchups uh, coming into this week. I don't know that I'm going to do this every week, but I think what I might do going forward is I might pick out one or two, you know, like hoopers of the week. If somebody just has a crazy performance or a crazy week in general, where they have a two or three game stretch where they just are going nuts. I might just highlight it really quick. But aside from that, it's enough basketball, enough college football. Let's get into the NFL from this past week. How's that sound Parker? Let's do it. And uh, we're starting off with a, with a big one. Yes, we are. And the big one being last night's game the Philadelphia Eagles defeating the Miami Dolphins 31 to 17. We did already talk about this a little bit, but do you have any main takeaways from what you watched last night? 
Not not necessarily. The Dolphins kind of gave themselves a chance uh, by tying the game up 17-17. But I will say uh, Jalen Waddle was missed. When Jalen Waddle came out of the game, I mean, yeah, Tyreek Tyreek got to eat a little bit, but they need that second guy. And especially not – and if you're not going to have Waddle, you need – they need their double-headed backfield. I think they need a chance. You know, I don't think they can miss both those right. guys. I think that was a big deal last night. Right. But both of those guys being out, it just what it does from a schematic standpoint for them is it ruins their spacing on the field. Because right. with all those guys healthy, and if one's out, it doesn't completely ruin it. But with two of them out, it almost has the same effect that like how we talked about the Niners last Stan week. Fran, that's yeah. exactly what I'm seeing too. Yeah. I mean, both these teams have such powerful offenses, but you take a couple pieces away and it, it just it, it doesn't look near the same. It's not even yeah. comparable. Yeah, the way that McDaniel and Shanahan, because McDaniel does come from that system, the way that they scheme their players open is very much based, especially in Miami, it's all based on speed and separation. And so whenever you take out the guys that are elite in those two skills, it makes the actual scheming that much harder for the coaches because you're taking the players with those skill sets out of the equation. And I I think Minnesota is going to have that uh, kind of. We might see some of that from Minnesota tonight, and I don't I don't mean that anyway. I know you're a Vikings fan, but uh, we haven't watched a Monday night game yet. It hasn't happened, but I, I think without Justin Jefferson, the Vikings kind of have the same thing. I mean, your spacing is yeah. a little off because uh, then their focus just goes to Addison and TJ. And there's right. and they're not really they're not really scared of your backfield, so no. you, you know what I mean. I I think the Vikings are going to have the same problem tonight, but. Back to the back to the Eagles Dolphins game. I, I that was my uh, take on it on why the game went the way it did. Yeah, and I know that I said this in the preview, but really the the Eagles front seven was the difference in this game because they couldn't run the ball, so the Eagles were able to take that out of their game as well. I mean, the Dolphins have been one of the best rushing teams in the NFL all season, and so you're taking multiple elements out of the Dolphins offense, and not only that, but you're also pressuring Tua. Like there was a couple times where Tua almost immediately recognized the pressure and it just completely ruined the play from the jump. I mean, there was one play where I believe it was Jalen Carter got into the backfield and Tua, it was a designed run for him and Jalen Carter was already in the pocket and Tua just slid and took a three yard loss. He was just not about to even mess with Jalen Carter. The other thing about the Eagles is that they are not playing the same game offensively that I think a lot of other teams are playing because it seems like the Eagles have three downs to get only eight and a half yards. Whereas every other team in the NFL has three downs to get nine and a half yards or even 10 yards, it, it, which it seems like that might not be a huge difference, but in the NFL, that much of a difference on the margins is the difference between being an elite team and a middle of the pack team. And I think another thing that the Eagles do very well, I mean, the time of possession is, is nuts, right? I'm watching a drive last night and it was 11 plays and they took seven minutes and I think it was like seven minutes and 20 seconds off the clock on 11 plays. Yeah. Which is, uh, that's a lot of time and it's really not that many plays. No. And, but what that goes back down to is they're, they're okay running the ball more often and picking up two or three yards on some plays. Like if it's third and three, they're okay giving a halfback draw to Deandre Swift and him only getting two yards. And that, right. And if they do that a couple times every single drive, you're adding at least a minute onto every drive that they have the ball. So, and, and you're also adding another minute that the defense is out on the field getting tired. So, right, that too. So, I think that plays a big factor. Now, on the other side of the ball, um, I'm looking at Miami, and I think Miami is very fortunate that 
they got off to the hot start they did. I don't want to say Miami's overrated. That's not what I'm saying at all. I think they're a really good football team as far as their uh, offense goes. They have a great head coach. But let's go back and look at something real quick because I'm very interested. Um, And the reason I'm going to take a minute on this Dolphins-Eagles and talk about the Dolphins is because they are that important in the league at the moment. These two teams, yeah. Yeah, so I'm looking at the Dolphins. Okay, the Dolphins beat the Chargers by two. The same Mm -hmm. Chargers that the Cowboys just beat a week ago. So it's not really that. I mean, it's a good win, but it's not a great win. You know, they're two and four at this point. Right. So at this point, it's like, okay, that's not a great win. Um, yeah, they it, it adds one to the to the win column, but they go the next week and they beat the Patriots by only a touchdown. Then they come out and beat the Broncos, who are not a good football team. They beat them by 50. Yes, yep. I know that was a really good showing, but that that's three wins. They lose to the Bills by 28. Then they beat the Giants and they beat the Panthers. So really leading up to this Eagles games, how many good games did they really win? I believe you know, the combined number of wins for the opponents that they've beaten is what, like, I think you, I want to say it's like six wins. Right. So, yeah. And I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm not trying to say this Dolphins team's overrated, but I'm looking at the schedule they have ahead. They play the Patriots next week. They play the Chiefs in Kansas City the week after that. They get to play the Raiders, um, but then they go Jets uh, the week following. And then I'm looking at their last four games of the schedule. It goes Jets, Cowboys, Ravens, Bills. Yeah. It gets I, real I, tough. Yeah, I, th- I think this Dolphins team might be in a little bit of trouble. I mean, I don't think they're in trouble as far as making the playoffs. I do think that there is some concern for their division. I think winning the division, yeah. it, it gets a little shaky. We could talk about that, I, I think, at another time at length. But I because I, I wasn't super impressed, obviously, by what we saw by the Bills. I don't want to roll into that game just yet, but we could talk about that in a minute. Um, do you have any other thoughts on this game? No, man, I just wanted to look at that Dolphins schedule. I I, yeah. I, I actually like the Dolphins. Um, I just think it's going to get a little sketchy down the road. It could. I mean, it's, it definitely gets tougher from this point on for them. Uh, moving on to another game that is going to impact the playoff race on both conferences is the Baltimore Ravens defeating the Detroit Lions 38-6. to it, I think this is probably the most surprising result of the week. Absolutely. Um, I saw this game was at 28 to zero and I was like, are you kidding me? I I didn't get to watch a lot of this game actually of all the games that, that were played this week. I didn't get to watch a lot of this one, but 38 to six, that is that, that no one saw a 32 point win coming. No one, which is funny. You say that it's the game that you watched probably the least of, of the highlight games throughout the week. This is the one that I actually watched the most of. Um, It wasn't the most ideal circumstances because I watched it on my phone. But I did watch it more than I did any of the other noon games. And I was just mostly intrigued by the matchup of these two teams because I thought this is going to be a great game going into it. I thought that Ben Johnson's offensive play calling versus the Ravens defense, as well as trying to see what Lamar looks like against this younger Lions defense, seeing how those two would match up, I I was super excited for it. Then it actually happened. And my biggest takeaway is that, like, this is a Lamar caliber MVP season again. I, I think he's been playing possibly the best football he's ever played just from a pure quarterback standpoint. I mean, he, I think he's a better passer than he's ever been at this point. I agree. I actually have seen him. I mean, obviously he ran the first touchdown in uh, yesterday, but mm-hmm. I agree with what you're saying. I, I think he's passing the ball now than better than he probably ever has. And I think Lamar Jackson's playing the best he has statistically. Yeah. I, I, there are games that you might see like the, a couple weeks ago whenever the, they played the Steelers. I mean, they did lose the game and they only scored 10 points. But I, I really, as we talked about, that was like 
a drop situation for the wide receivers. I think that Lamar is, I think he is going to keep this team in the, I, I would say like AFC championship race throughout the entire year with the way he's playing right now. I think that's a hot take, but I don't have a reason to hate it yet. So, I mean, they're five and two. They're looking good. Their division's looking shaky as well. Probably the shakiest division in the AFC so far. But we'll see where that one lands us. So, yeah, uh, Lions um, take a beating to the Ravens 38-6. to No one really saw it coming. Good for the Ravens, bad for the Lions. Do you have any takes on the Lions? I mean, to me, what, what I saw, there was a point in the game where uh, it was going into halftime, and it was 28-0. to the, the Lions had the ball, and they had a chance to maybe get a touchdown before the end of the half. And it was a third down and Jared Goff took like a huge sack that even put them almost out of field goal range. And so it was like, what do you even do at that point? And there was, so they had a chance to get back into it and then they just took a huge sack and it was, the game was over at that point. Once I saw that happen. Yeah. I mean, there are those turning points in games where you see a team, you know, like it's like, all right, you're coming to the third quarter. And the third quarter is about to end. Fourth quarter is going to start. You're already down by two scores and you really need to put some points on the board. And like you said, you take a big sack or you throw a pick or whatever, whatever. Those turning points, I mean, even though there's a whole fourth quarter left to play, you know the game is just that that was it. Yeah. That was what you needed points there to to come back and win. So uh, that's what I love about the NFL. That's why this next game is going to be really fun to talk about, too. Yeah, which that next game being the New England Patriots defeating the Buffalo Bills 29 to 25, which was definitely the biggest upset of the day. This Patriots team didn't look great. I mean, I, I'll say that. I, I think this Bills team just did not look good. I think the Bills team looked bad more than the Patriots looked good. I'll say that. It seems like the Buffalo defense might be a, a, a pretty big concern at this point. Like before the injuries happened, I, they were looking like maybe a top five defense in the NFL. And I think that the injuries are finally catching up with them. And that might be a problem the rest of the year. We both felt strongly about the injuries when they happened. I mean, we both knew Tredavious White was going to be a big loss. And then we both knew Milano was going to be a, right. a big loss. I, I just don't know, man. Th this Bills team is good. I just don't. They play to their competition sometimes. Yeah. And it still seems like they're missing another like, I know that Gabe Davis has his moments, and I know that Dalton Kincaid is a rookie, but it still seems like they're just missing that secondary pass-catching option. Regardless of the fact that they took a first-round pass-catching tight end, I really feel like they need another veteran secondary possession wide receiver, you know? I, I think they're the only, like, team I consider elite, or I, I don't even know if I consider them elite now. I mean, they're 4-3, and three, but... They're one of the only teams I consider elite that don't have that second guy. Like you think of all the good yeah. teams in the NFL, they all have a second guy. Yeah. And it's like I, Stephon Diggs just doesn't. And yeah, I'm yeah. not and no disrespect to Gabe Davis and Gabe Davis owners, but like yeah. you said, he could either have one fantasy point or he could have 40. Yeah. Like, He's my guy. I love Gabe Davis. You see, yeah, I'm not hey, going to sit here and act like he is a, a worthy number two option. I think he's a great third wide receiver. I think that you need somebody like a Chris Godwin in this offense. Like I just picked that name out of thin air, but that I'm trying to think of players on teams that could be trade candidates. You know, it may be it not. I mean, I mean, the Cowboys went and got Brandon cooks. I mean, that's kind of like one of those to be successful. Now it's almost like you have to have two good options. Yeah. Um, every good team has two good options. Yeah. And as far as new England goes, I great win for them. Uh, there was the news that came out about bill, getting a contract extension. So, you know, the, oh, is the Bill era over? No, he's going to be around for a while. So that that talk, we can shelve that for 
you know, years down the road. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, moving into the next game, uh, which is maybe the last one that I had a ton of feedback from was the Kansas City Chiefs defeating the Los Angeles Chargers 31 to 17. Uh, Parker, are the fun Kansas City Chiefs that we knew back? Absolutely. And I want to say that football for Swifties is here to stay. <laughs> it seems I, like that. I, I yeah. saw a stat that Travis Kelsey averages 99 receiving yards when Taylor Swift is at the game. Do you know how much he averages when she's not at the game? I think I saw the stat and it's like 48. Yeah, I think I thought I saw 43, but it could be 48. It, it might but, be 43, but either way. But but difference. either way, it's it's more than doubled when Taylor Swift is in the building. Um, but besides besides the whole Swifties thing, um, dude. Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like this Kansas City team is just right back on track where they left off last season. And the defense, I know we've talked about it in the, over the past few weeks, but it definitely looks like as good as the offense can be, which obviously this is showing us that, oh, okay, this offense is – the offense can kick into high gear when it needs to or when it really wants to, but it doesn't have to because the defense is the best that they've had in the Mahomes era. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree, man. This Chiefs team looks dangerous. They look like they're Super Bowl contenders, as we all expected going into the season. You know, they've had a couple games where they might not have looked the same, but they still got the same result that they were expecting, which was a win. And then, uh, man, on the other side of the ball, the Chargers. I, I hate that the Cowboys sent Kellen Moore there because Kellen Moore might be the head coach for the Chargers. I, 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 that, that's I mean, what I, I... I want him to be. <laughs> I, th- I You know what I mean? I, I think... The Cowboys missed a good opportunity at getting Kellen Moore the head coaching job there. And I think that this Chargers team with a different head coach could look totally different. Yeah, and it does seem like maybe the current way the team is built, it might be the last year that this particular iteration of the Chargers is around because they I could see them moving guys like Khalil Mack. I could see them maybe moving a guy like Darwin James in the offseason because it, it, as much as – those players are good defensive assets. I, I worry that the, the cap numbers are just going to stack up and they just paid Herbert. I, I think it's going to be really hard for them to manage this roster with all these veteran players built. It, it was a team that was built to compete now, like we, try and compete for the AFC and they are far from that right now. I, I agree. I mean, the, the best thing that they had this, this whole game was the fact that their t- their tight end scored on national tight ends day. Gerald Everett got a touchdown. <laughs> right. right. Um, so Congrats to all the tight ends on National Tight Ends Day getting a touchdown. But other than that, man, this Chargers team does not look that great. Much to my chagrin, because I, I want Justin Herbert to be on a good team so bad. And I think that he might just have to wait until this particular version of the Chargers shifts into a new era where they kind of enter into a soft rebuild. But we'll see how that ends up. There are some teams that figure it out midseason and make a push for the wild card spot. It's really hard for me to see that happening in the AFC. Flat I out. think in the AFC, you have to be dominant um, yeah. for, you know, 80% of your season. Yeah, I agree. Uh, moving on to the next game, which was a, re- a really fun watch. I kind of am upset that I didn't get to watch the whole game, but uh, the Cleveland Browns defeated the Indianapolis Colts 39-38. There was eight lead changes in this game, the most of any game this season. And I really only had one main takeaway, but uh, do you have anything in particular that you noticed from this game? Yes, uh, the Colts pulled out a strategy to try and win this football game. Did you know the Colts before this game were 10-0 and with the roof open and the windows closed? I did not. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> um, so so they, they went with the bold strategy of opening the roof but shutting the windows and uh, still just couldn't get it done. But it was only by a point. Yeah. And the only thing that I wanted to talk about in this game really was the Deshaun Watson situation is getting weird. He was 
cleared from concussion protocol after he took that hit, and then he said that he injured, like may have been afraid that he re-aggravated his shoulder. Then he was cleared to come into play, and then Kevin Stefanski just told him to sit out of the rest of the game. And so I, it's it's a strange situation because you would think that in games like this, if they're really trying to make the playoffs and if it's this close, that you want the quarterback that you think is the franchise quarterback in the game if he's healthy. Yeah, I I, I mean, I totally agree. This is a weird one because, I mean, the, the Browns just beat the Niners last week with P.J. Walker. I mean, they, they came away with a win this week against the Colts. Maybe they see something in P.J. that we don't know about. Is you P.J. Know, far, Walker better than Deshaun Watson? That, that, that's not what I'm saying. That's that's not <laughs> what know. I'm saying. But I'm saying is is do they have enough faith in P.J. Walker to say, hey, you know, you keep driving the boat, and until we see Deshaun 100%, then we'll get him in there. You know what I mean? Like maybe they were they're looking ahead. And maybe they think, okay, PJ can probably beat the Colts. But next week, I don't know who they have, but maybe they have a matchup next week they're like, where they're saying, okay, we don't want PJ against that team. Maybe. I'm still skeptical on this whole Sean Watson era of the Browns. I, I As a team, I love them, but it, with him quarterbacking them, I still can't find myself trusting them completely. Uh, moving on to the next game, the Pittsburgh Steelers, a get-right game for them against the LA Rams, 24-17. to what did you think about this win for the Steelers? Um, man, like you said, dude, this is a big bounce back game um, for the Steelers. Kind of a, you know, get the ball rolling. They moved to four and two in a division where they're sitting right up top with the best three teams. They're currently they're, in the wild card yeah, spot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're they're currently second in their division. I mean, I don't know, man. Mike Tomlin, he's really good at, at at least winning half his games. So I, I think, you know, this is just classic Steelers. They they get a win in a game they really need it and they do it a way where no one's really seen the Steelers play like that yet this year. Yeah. And I think that we might've been a little bit too down on the Steelers early in the season after they got walloped by the 49ers and after the offense had some struggles. I, I think that this game, the offense looked a little bit better. And I think one thing that was a big difference in that was the fact that Deontay Johnson was back. I agree. Yeah. No, no, no. Deontay looked good. Uh, moving on, these next set of games, I want us to just run through them really quick. Uh, if you have any like one-note hitters, fire them off. Uh, we had the Jacksonville Jaguars defeating the New Orleans Saints on Thursday Night Football, 31-24. to We had the Atlanta Falcons squeaking out a gr grindy, just yucky kind of matchup in Tampa with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning that game 16-13. to uh, We had the Arizona Cardinals losing at the hands of the Seattle Seahawks 20-10. to then we had the Denver Broncos defeating the Green Bay Packers 19-17 to get their second win of the season. We had the New York Giants defeating the Washington Commanders 14-7. A super long-scoring game. I, not a fun watch. And then lastly, we had the Chicago Bears defeating the Las Vegas Raiders 30-12. Which of those results probably stands out to you the most? There's none that really stand out like a sore thumb uh, besides the fact that Bajent was playing quarterback for the Bears and they put up 30 points. As some people on the internet have named him uh, T-Bag, <laughs> so <laughs> there's that. <laughs> Other than that, man, I mean, there's a couple things I do want to talk about on these games because they are important to the league. I've always seen Derek Carr being like number 12, number 13 quarterback. You know, he's never really been like – he may have peaked into the top 10 one or two seasons – but uh, other than that, he's always been, like, right outside the top 10. And Derek Carr is just bad. Dude, he looked terrible. I'm so glad that you want to talk about this game. Go ahead. I mean, he's playing against Trevor Lawrence, who didn't practice all week long, has a bum knee, 
And Trevor comes out and puts up 31 points against a better defense than his. And you look at the other side of the ball and you got the Saints. You have all, everybody's healthy. There's no problems. You got Alvin Kamara back. And Alvin Kamara was the primary of this offense. I mean, Derek Carr, I think he had, what, 16 catches out of the backfield or maybe 12? Uh, he had 17 targets and he had 12 receptions on seven. Okay, targets. so 17 targets, 12 receptions. So it, it's just nuts to me that uh, Derek Carr's leading receiver is his running back with – and I know it's Alvin Kamara. I know Alvin Kamara is really good, but when you have – Michael Thomas, and you have Chris Olave. I mean, you you have good what Rahid Shahid. You have yeah. decent weapons, and they're just they're not using them the way they should be. You know, so is it a it's Derek Carr, but I also think it's a bad scheme. Uh, yeah, I, I mostly think it's a Derek Carr problem. And I was having a conversation with a Jacksonville fan, and you know, this Jacksonville defense, the run defense has been great. They the Saints could not run the ball this game. They, Alvin Kamara was good as far as total yardage, but it was mostly through the air. He didn't really do a whole lot on the ground. The Saints haven't been able to run the ball all year. I mean, I, I think yeah that, that kind of plays an effect as well. But go ahead. I mean, not, not trying to dis, uh, yeah. discredit the Jags defense. Yeah, but, but the Jags defense, as far as where you attack them, their secondary is still not great. And it, in games that we've seen them give up a lot of yardage, it's been to like average or slightly better uh, passing offenses. In my opinion, it, going into this year, I would have considered probably Derek Carr right in the middle. Just middle-of-the-road quarterback, middle-of-the-road passing offense for the Saints team. And I, the, the way that they played this game was just so discombobulated in a passing standpoint. And then not only that, but whenever they got in the red zone, it looked like Derek Carr was just like a deer in headlights and had no idea where to go with the ball. I mean, Derek Carr is looking like number 24 on the list. Yeah. Like definitely. he's looking that far down there. I mean, he's he's definitely like doubled. Yeah. So um, if you're a Saints fan, you know, especially after you gave them, I think he's what got a three year contract. I'm not looking forward to paying him for two more years after this year. No, me either, especially whenever you have a gunslinger like Jameis Winston on the bench. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not saying that Jameis Winston's the answer, but I think I'd rather lose, you know, forty one to forty knowing that I threw five picks. Who cares? At least you put up, you know, I, I that's just me. Yeah. I, I think you'd rather take the risk. Yeah. On the Jack side of things, I mean, good. I guess, you know, winning a game is always a good thing. I mean, they are five and two. I would say it's, you know, maybe the most unimpressive five and two of all the teams that are in that category, but five and two, nonetheless, you know, they're, they're good. They are a good team, uh, but I do think that they have yet to be challenged by some of the better teams aside from the chiefs. So we'll see. There, there is one more game. I do want to bring up real quick and, sure. Uh, that's this Falcons Bucks game because the NFC South is a pretty close race. Yeah, Falcons are in the lead right now too. At four and three, right? Uh, it's yeah. just weird to see. But yeah. um, I'm worried, dude. I think the Falcons are the best team in the NFC South. Now oh, that I've seen them all, doubt. but Desmond Ritter does, dude. Three fumbles. Yeah, in the red you know, zone. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> they should, any other quarterback on this? Uh, I, I mean, okay, you put Derek Carr on the Falcons. And they probably score 30 points this game. Exactly. Yeah, and and Derek so Carr is not that. good. Derek Carr is not good. But I think this Falcons team is fundamentally sound everywhere but the quarterback position. Yeah, I can't agree with you more. They have a good defense. They have good defensive backs. They have Bijan and Algier in the backfield. Bijan didn't even touch the ball. Or, yeah. uh, he had one touch in the first half. Yeah, so, and then he got out sick after that. I mean, so. yeah. I mean, uh, 
they they said he's going to be fine. I got a couple of alerts on that or updates on that saying that it's not a big deal. He'll be back next week fully healthy. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know, man. That's the only thing about the Falcons. I think the Falcons are a good team. I just think they have the wrong guy under center. I, I agree. I won't belabor that point anymore. But yeah, as far as any of the other games, I, I don't think there's much to talk about. Apparently Tyrod is better than Daniel Jones. And good, you know, good thing for Tyson Bajan to get his first win. Yeah. Other against the uh, Raiders, who are going nowhere fast. So, <laughs> right. I um, agree. I don't think there's much else to talk about with this past week's slate of games. Uh, we can go ahead and move on to the dogs and slugs if you want. Yeah, man. Let's get right into some fantasy performances. I'm down for that. All right. Go ahead and hit us with the dogs, Parker. All right, man. This week's uh, dogs, these are going to be all your top fantasy performances from each position. And then Peyton's going to give us the slogs, the worst uh, performances from these fantasy positions. And I'm going to start out with the quarterbacks. We got Patrick Mahomes um, at the top of the list, of course, uh, with 41.9 points, had a great game, 424 yards, four touchdowns. Looks like old Mahomes. Looks looks like he's just vintage, right, right where he needs to be. Um, then you have Lamar Jackson, another uh, top fantasy quarterback because he's a uh, dual threat, but he pulls out uh, 39.9 points this week. 357 yards, four total touchdowns, good performance by him. So next on the list, you got uh, Gardner Minshew with 31.1, Josh Allen with 28.3, Jalen Hurts with 27.3, and Tyrod Taylor making his way up on the list at 25.7. I picked him up in my Dynasty League on Sunday morning, and I was that's probably the best Dynasty pickup I've had in a while because I started him <laughs> because I didn't have a second quarterback. Hey, you'll take it 26 points almost. It's, yep. it's pretty good. All right, uh, into the running backs. I haven't seen this guy's name since last year. He had like a two-game stretch. He played really well, but that's Deontay yep. Foreman. 31 and a half points. Uh, Texas Longhorn, hook him. Go ahead and just throw that in there while I can. You got <laughs> Alvin Kamara with 23.3, 12 receptions on 17 targets, just like we said. So that really helped his numbers. Uh, Jameer Gibbs getting um, all the work in the backfield for the for the Lions with 23.1. Travis Etienne with 21.2, Gus Edwards with 20.9. So that is the yeah. running back list there. Who Who's your favorite on the list? It's got to be Foreman, right? Just coming out of nowhere and dropping a 30 bomb like last year? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if he'll hold on to that backfield for a long time. Uh, he did get hurt in this game, so we'll see how severe the injury is. But uh, I really am finally excited to see Jameer Gibbs do something. Now, I know that quite a bit of it was in garbage time, so there's that. But it's better than what we have seen from him is in just the fact that the coaching staff is willing to keep him in the game and give him the workload as opposed to taking him out and just reserving his legs. I, I, it's just encouraging if you're a Gibbs owner. But go ahead and hit us with the wide receivers. All righty, man. The wide receivers this week, you got A.J. Brown at the top of the list with 24.7. Josh Downs with 21 points. Tyreek Hill with 20.3. Puka Nakua with 19.4 and Mike Evans with 17.2. Yeah. And surprising sad about Puka Nakua, which obviously he's been a breakout this year. He's been a waiver wire wonder for a lot of people. Uh, one thing that's to put into perspective, how impressive his seven game stretch here to start his career is. Uh, do you know who the only person that in their first seven games of their career has more receiving yards than Puka Nakua? Uh, I'm, I don't know, but I'm going to take two guesses. Okay. I'm going to guess Randy Moss. I'll bet I give you a hint. It's more recent. When you say recent, like 10 years, like two years. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, if it's within two years, 
I'm going to guess Jamar Chase rookie year. It is Jamar Chase. And through their first seven games, Puka Nakua has 752 yards and Jamar Chase has 754. Oh, so, wow. It's only two yards off. Yeah. So he's a fifth their, round pick. Yeah. And they're the only two to do over 700 yards to even start their careers. So it, it's just putting that into perspective how awesome of a stretch this is for Puka Nakua. Um, it, it is exciting uh, when when you bring up Puka real quick. It is exciting seeing him still at the top of this list, knowing that Cooper Cup's back. Yeah, absolutely. You, you know, I, I think the Rams maybe found their second option. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and Tutu had a touchdown this week, too. So, I mean, I think their third option isn't that bad either. No, yeah. And like we talked about, that's that's the kind of wide receiver room you got to have if you're going to be a competitive team in this league. And I think that's what's making the Rams a little better than we expect because Sean McVay is very creative. And especially so. with guys like Tutu and Puka and Cooper who all have very diverse skill sets. Yeah, yeah, but, but similar traits as well. I, I mean, let's get on to uh, the most important position this week, and that is the tight ends. At the top of this list, it was National Tight End Day. Tight end showed out. Uh, they made a list almost as long as the wide receiver list. So actually, it's longer, I believe. So good for them. You got Travis Kelsey with 29.9, uh, 12 catches for 179 yards and a touchdown. Just balled out like he usually does. Mark Andrews, when Lamar plays well, Mark Andrews play well, the Ravens play well. So Mark Andrews comes in with 20.3 points, two touchdowns for him. Darren Waller uh, hooking up with Tyrod Taylor this week. Had 19.3 points. Dallas Goddard had 16.2. And there's a quarterback on this list, but he plays a little bit of everything. And that's Taysom Hill coming in with 14.8. Look, he's tight end eligible. So <laughs> it's not my fault. He was tight end five on the week because he ran a touchdown in. Hey, it's okay. Uh, I like Taysom. He's always fun to watch. Well, that really does it for all the dogs this week. Um, we had a really good fantasy week. A lot of guys up here on the list that we don't always see. Yeah, fun week for fantasy. Peyton. I love seeing this slogs list down to a minimum. I can't wait for the day where there's only a couple, but yep. tell me about the slogs. Yeah. Look, it, it, I got to highlight these because people want to know what they got to do with these guys, whether it's oh, calm down or time to panic. So uh, I 100% agree. First guy is uh, Justin Herbert, 12.86 points. It's the first game you were disappointed with him. I, I know I was, but this was a great chiefs defense. And really, I think that, this was it, it, there were a couple plays here and there. I mean, there were, he had two picks, one of which was a tip ball. I think that there was a lot of the rest of the team letting him down more than he played bad. Moving on to the next quarterback, Jared Goff, 9.2 points. This was just the Ravens smothered the Lions and they were trying to play catch up and really couldn't do a ton with it. So uh, the le next one we talked about a little bit. Sean Watson, if you started him, oh my goodness, negative uh, 1.8 points because he went one for five for five yards and a pick. So congratulations if you played him. Um, that's it for the quarterbacks, though. Uh, the next guy, we talked about it. He only played, I think, six snaps, and then he got benched because he was sick. So B. John Robinson only got easier 0.3 points. The next guy might be a little bit more concerning. Uh, Austin Eckler only had 5.1 points. It's not definitely not what you want from a guy who you took in the first, what, eight picks? Uh, yeah, I think probably top six, I guess. Yeah. He's, he was up there. Yeah, and he's coming off an injury. We don't know if it's still nagging him or not, and if it's he's just going to play with it hurt. I, that's that's I think a problem for the rest of the year. Um, um yeah, I, I see him having the problem Jonathan Taylor had last year. Yeah. Um, and not to mention though, Josh Kelly did break off for a long one and score yeah. a touchdown. So that that's another thing is that you know the other back got the touchdown, so it's right. just part of it. 
Uh, another back that might have disappointed you that's been good this year was uh, Raheem Mostert, 5.6 points. We talked about it. Eagles defense smothered that Dolphins run game. A running back that you might have picked up off the waiver wire in desperation, Keontae Ingram, goosed you. So, waste of a waiver wire pickup. Next guy. Yo, that's a bummer. Josh Jacobs had 4.6 points. That was really, I think, that this is going to be a problem with the Raiders offense this year. Not super happy if I'm a Josh Jacobs owner. I'm not super happy if I'm a Josh Jacobs owner either because you would think, okay, Brian Hoyer's, Hoyer's in the game. They're not going to do a lot in the past game. Josh Jacobs should have a hell of a week and just doesn't. We're going to move into the wide receivers. Amari Cooper had 3.2 points. Deshaun Watson went out of the game. P.J. Walker just didn't find him most of the day, so is what it is. Uh, Cooper Cup had 5.9 points. This was just a matter of it seemed like it was maybe a Puka game. Gabe Davis only had 1.1 point. Like we said, uh, he's going to have these kind of games. Like he's had back-to-back bad weeks so far. The next guy is probably the biggest concern, if you ask me. And that is Calvin Ridley, who had one point and only got four targets on the Jags Thursday night. And that is not the type of bad performance that you want to see. Now, I know that they have Marshawn Lattimore, one of the best corners in the league. So maybe they just faded away from trying to target him all day. But even then, I, I think that he is such a good playmaker that you have to try to attempt to get the ball to him a little bit more. Yeah, I mean, you know, you see one fantasy point and you're like, ew. You know, you have one fantasy point, he played he played terrible. But he only had four uh, – there was only four plays they ran to get him the ball. So, Which with that being is, said, I that's the problem. I agree yeah. with you. That's the problem. I don't think it's Calvin Ridley being bad. You know, sometimes you see a player play and you're like, oh, he's playing terrible. He has a fumble. Uh, you know, he's dropped two. Right. This is just them not getting the ball enough to him. Right. I agree. Right. And two more gooses. Uh, Jamison Williams, a week after scoring a touchdown, he goosed you. And that's par for the course with that guy. And then Cole Komet, if you start him at tight end, he goosed you. So that's it for the slogs. And we're going to go ahead and go into the preview for this week. We got 16 games to roll through. Let's go ahead and knock them out, Parker. Let's. There's no buys this week? No buys. <laughs> None. Really? Zilch. Not I will say this past week was the hardest fantasy week I've had so far. Yeah, well, there were six buys. It was called, you know, bipocalypse, as they call yeah. it. So. Yeah, it was terrible. But, yeah, yeah. let's get right into these. Um, I'm going to start us off with this first game, which is Thursday Night Football. You have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 3-3, three and three, going to Buffalo to play the 4-3 and three Bills, and Buffalo Bills are minus 7.5. Yeah, I don't want to react too hard, but I think this could be lower scoring than maybe we think. I know that the Bills' defense is in a bad way, but I also think that the Bucks' defense is better than probably most people give it credit for. I'll take the Bucks to cover, but I still think the Bills win by six. All right, yeah, I, I'm kind of right there with you. I think this week is a bounce-back week for the Bills. Um, the last two weeks, yeah, they got a win against the Giants, but it didn't look great. And then they lost this week to the Patriots. I think this week they kind of need to make a statement, and I think they come out and win by by a good amount. So what, like 10? Yeah, I, I think it's okay. more than seven and a half. I think okay. I think it's I think it's a good game, especially seeing the Bucks just play Atlanta. Yeah, they had three. Doesn't matter, fumbled the ball three times, and they still lost the football game. Yeah, that you know that is a good point. It's an interesting matchup for sure, considering where both these teams are in their respective conferences and in their respective divisions as well. So. I agree, but let's move on to this next game. This next game is going to be one of my favorites of the week, more than likely. And you have the Cincinnati Bengals going to the San Francisco 49ers, and they have the Niners minus six. Yeah, I think that I'm going to take another dog here. I'm going to take the Bengals to cover. I think that this 
is going to be a very close game. I think it's going to be like a field goal game uh, the whole way. I think this could play out similarly to how the Seahawks game went. I know that the Seahawks were really bad in the red zone. Um, I think the 49ers might have a little bit more luck. I still think that Lou Anamarumo is one of the best DCs, especially on a game-to-game basis, coming up with a game plan uh, to combat specific teams and specific schemes. And I think that the 49ers, they might be able to have enough defensive success to keep this game close. So give me the uh, Bengals plus six with a chance to win. Yeah, I mean, I, I really like the Bengals um, now that they've kind of figured themselves out. And I really think the Niners are coming, depending on how they play tonight. Uh, we haven't seen them play since Christian McCaffrey had his injury and since Debo's been dealing with his stuff. But I, mean, I, I don't know which way to go here. I, I think I think the Bengals could get a sneaky one. I, yeah, it's going to be, if not the best game all week, I think it's one of the best games we have on the slate. Absolutely. I, I 100% agree. All right. Now, moving into the next game, uh, it's, we got my Dallas Cowboys playing in Dallas uh, against the Los Angeles Rams, and the Cowboys are minus six and a half. I think that's a little too much. Really? Because I'm on I the other do. side of that. I do. Okay. Give me your case. Man, I, I just think with the Cowboys having such uh, trouble with their defensive back staying healthy, having problems, I really do think Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, the, the, the wide receiver core we were just talking about, I really think they're going to give the Cowboys some struggles if Micah Parsons and um, Demarcus Lawrence can't get to the backfield. See, and my, my argument would be that I think that the Cowboys front seven can have a lot of success against this Rams offensive line, just like the Steelers did last week. So I would actually take the Cowboys to cover the six and a half in this particular matchup. I mean, I, I appreciate it, Peyton. I, I would love to see my cow. <laughs> I would love to see the Cowboys win, but look, it's scary, man. We'll see. All right. Well, going into the next game, we have the five and two Jacksonville Jaguars traveling to Pittsburgh to play the four and two Steelers with the Jacks favored minus one and a half in Pittsburgh. That's kind of weird. Might as well be a pick them. If you ask me, that's but... what I, that's what I would think. I would think just because it's in Pittsburgh, it's gotta be a pick them. Yeah. This is a pretty important matchup for the AFC. I mean, both these teams are in very similar positions where, I mean, the Jags are in first in their division, but they're definitely going into the tougher part of their schedule coming up in these next few weeks, whereas the Steelers finally have a win coming off of their bye week. So I think that I am going to take, I think I'm going to take the Steelers. I do not feel comfortable with that at all, but I think I'm going to lean Steelers. Man, this is a scary one. I know it being in Pittsburgh, the house is going to be rocking. The yellow towels are going to be everywhere. I think TJ Watt and that defense could really do something to this uh, Jaguars offensive line. I mean, I, I think they could, if they could shake Trevor early, it gets a little scary. And then back to what we were talking about earlier, if they can't get Calvin Ridley the ball, uh, I think there's going to be a problem uh, with them scoring a lot of points. So I'm actually with you. I'm going to ride Steelers this week to yeah. win this game. I think it's just going to be one of those, a good matchup, but uh, I think the Steelers defense really makes a difference. Yeah. And I was encouraged by a little bit of what I saw from the Steelers passing wise. Enough to where I think they might be able to take advantage. It, not like, you know, have a crazy good passing performance, but do it enough to where I think that Kenny Pickett can have an okay game this week. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So moving on to the next game, and we got the 4-2 and two Browns going to Seattle to play the 4-2 and two Seahawks, and they have the Seahawks favored by three points. This is another, like, weird one. I love the Seahawks, but I really like what this Browns team is doing defensively. I got to go Browns here. I mean, I'm I'm not trying to be contrarian, but 
I think that defensively they might be able to give Gino a good amount of problems if they can apply some pressure to him consistently. I mean, like even the Bengals were able to give the Seahawks trouble right before the bye week. So I, I think give me the Browns here. I 100% agree, man. I'm, I'm on the Browns uh, on this matchup. I think that Browns defense, I know they just let up a lot of points for the uh, against the Colts, but I think this Brown defense could come back to earth and uh, have a good performance against the Seahawks offense. Yeah, and I mean, currently they have the best defensive player in the league in Miles Garrett, who is, I would say, the favorite to win defensive player of the year. So, um, Yeah, absolutely. All right, on to the next game. We have the 4-3 and three Falcons going to Tennessee Titans, and the Falcons are favored by one and a half points. I'm going to take the Falcons here. I think this is mostly how looking at how the Bucks game went, they had three red zone trips that could have resulted in at minimum nine extra points to give them a pretty resounding win against the Buccaneers. And instead it ended up being only a three point game. And I think that, I mean, I don't see this Titans team being super competitive going forward. I mean, they just traded their best defensive secondary player to the Eagles, as we talked about in the opening of the show, I think that that clearly is a sign of where this Titans team is going. So give me the Falcons minus one and a half. Yeah, man, I agree. I, I think this Falcons team, I already said it. I think they're really well-rounded. I think they have a really good team. If Desmond Ritter can keep his head on straight, keep the turnovers to a minimum, I think they can beat this tit- Titans team by a touchdown or so. All right, well, on to the next game. I got the three and four Saints going to the Indianapolis Colts, who are also three and four, and they have the Colts minus one and a half. I guess they're opening the roof and shutting the windows. They might be, man. Uh, I in this game, in this game, I I really don't know what to do with either one of these teams. They're they're kind of both in no man's land. Um, I mean, I guess the Saints have a better chance to make the playoffs than the Colts do. Then again, I, I think both teams, especially the Colts. I, I mean, since they lost AR, I'm not sure if they're just kind of in waiting for the rest of the season and just trying to get some young guys involved, guys like Josh Downs, so on and so forth, and see how they can develop those guys the rest of the season until AR is back next year. I I think I actually I actually like the Colts here, and maybe this is an overreaction to maybe the, how we saw Derek Carr play, but I, I'll take the Colts. I agree. I'm, I'm on the Colts uh, in this matchup too. I, I think we kind of already touched on it. Uh, Derek Carr's not playing too well, and the Saints defense also is not playing too well. So I, I'm I'm with you. I like the Colts here. Uh, I think they put up a lot of points this week. Not not necessarily cheated out of a win. I just think that they deserve to win just as much as the team they played this week and just didn't get it. So I think this following week they chase that win even hungrier and come out and beat the Saints. All right, man, moving on. We got the 2-5 and five Patriots coming off a big uh, division win against the Bills, kind of spoiling their week. Can they do it again in Miami against the 5-2 and two Dolphins? No, Dolphins, the Dolphins minus 14 next game. <laughs> they got the Dolphins at minus 10. <laughs> No, Dolphins by two touchdowns. I don't have a lot to say about this game. I think the Dolphins are just, I think that this is a big bounce back week for them. So give me Dolphins by two scores. Okay, I agree. I mean, I I think the Dolphins are going to win this. No problem. But we're not even going to talk about like the division and you're just moving along. I mean, to to me, I just feel like this is a big game. It, it is, quote-unquote, a big game. Not the for Patriots, the Patriots. No. Not for the Patriots. No, but the Dolphins, here's the way that I see it. I, I am firmly in the camp of, even though I did make the Bills my preseason pick to go to the Super Bowl, with them not being at full health and are clearly going to be missing some guys for the rest of the year that I thought would be on the team, I, I'm firmly in the camp of I think the Dolphins are going to win this division. I mean, I, I they're my pick to win this division too. 
Yeah, but I, I, the, I, regardless of the result of this game, I, I don't think the Bills have enough defensively to even make it a close race down the stretch. That's the way I see it. Okay. All right. That's a fair take. Um, I, We both have Dolphins to win this game. All right. On to the next game, man. We have the, the home team playing the home team. We got the New York Jets facing the New York Giants, and the New York Giants is technically the home team, um, but they have the Jets at minus three. I'm going to take the Jets. I am too, man. I, I like the Jets to to win this, no problem. That's yeah. I, I, me as well. I don't think the Giants are that good, and I think this Jets team is slowly improving week by week. Here goes an NFC East classic, man. Uh, the last time these two teams played together, they actually went to overtime earlier this season. See if we get a different result. We got the Eagles at six and one going to Washington to play the Commanders, who are three and four, and they are favoring the Eagles by six and a half points. I don't agree with it. Uh, I think it should be more. You know, me too. A lot of the times in the NFL, I like to say that it's really hard to beat the same team twice, but it's also really hard to come really close to beating a really good team twice. Yes, especially a team like the Eagles, where they are such a sound organization with a great coaching staff that it's not just a one-off year for them where they are getting hot. This is one of the best organizations in football. And especially because of the strength of the Eagles, I mean, I've talked about it at nauseum. The front seven is just awesome for the Eagles and especially their ability to get to the quarterback and stop the run. And Sam Howell is currently on pace to break, not Derek Carr, but David Carr's record for the most sacks in a single season taken by a quarterback. And I, I think that the Eagles defensive line could feast this game. I a hundred percent agree. I think that the commanders, if they were going to beat the Eagles this season, they missed their chance. Yeah. That's exactly I, you know, just because the first game was within two points or whatever it was, a field goal, that doesn't mean that this game's going to be close. I think the Eagles come out, make a statement, realize what they did wrong the last time they played them and come out and really punish the commanders. Yep. And I hate to say that because I really want the commanders to win this football game, but that that's what I think is going to happen. All right. On to your game next week. Uh, big NFC North matchup, man. The two and four Vikings are going to Lambeau to play the Green Bay Packers, who are also two and four. And they have the Packers minus two and a half. God, I'm going to take the Vikings. and I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't even seen what they're going to do tonight. You're going to go ahead and take them next week, too. I'm only taking them because. Jordan Love has not been great against pressure this year. And if there's one thing Brian Flores likes to do, he likes to bring exotic pressures every single time that he lines up. I mean, if you notice one thing that Brian Flores has done all years, he lines up the linebackers and the safeties, rushes them to the line of scrimmage, and then he asks these guys to either blitz or immediately drop back into coverage as soon as the ball snapped. So, Jordan Love is probably not familiar with this type of defense this early in his career. This is essentially his rookie year. So I think that that could be the main difference is Brian Flores' scheme against Jordan Love this early in his NFL career. So I'm going to take the Vikings to, I, I guess, squeak this one out. No, I was I was just kidding, man. I'm right there with you. I actually think the Vikings are a much better team than the Packers, uh, especially the fact that Aaron Jones hasn't been getting the work that he needs to for the Packers to be successful. Um. And Jordan Love sucks under pressure. You're right, man. He threw a game-ending pick this week. I think that's the second one this season where his yeah. team's been within within striking distance to either win or to tie the game up in the fourth quarter, and he's thrown a pick twice. Yeah. So he doesn't do good in crunch time, and the Packers have been struggling. So I like the Vikings in this matchup too. Well, on to the next game, man. We got the Houston Texans at 3-3 three and three playing the Carolina Panthers in Carolina who are 0-6 
And these are this is a matchup between the two top quarterbacks in this draft class. Yeah, this was one that I remember we looked at in the preseason and said, at least for win totals, that this was going to be pretty pivotal to one or the other's overs. And I don't think that's the case anymore. <laughs> no, not at all. I mean, we, we were talking about the beginning of the year, but the Panthers, they're 0-6, man. They're the only team in the league without a win. Do they get one this week, though? Absolutely not. It's not that I think C.J. Stroud's so much better than Bryce Young. I just think C.J. Stroud's in a much better situation for his fit than Bryce Young is. I would agree. I think I, if Bryce, I think if Bryce Young walks into the Brock Purdy situation, it's completely different. I think if Bryce Young goes into C.J. Stroud's situation, it's completely different. I just think Bryce Young being in the Panthers situation just is not going to work out. I mean, not for this year, at least. Not as no, it's currently not, constructed. I, I don't see it for next year either. I mean, I think that's like a three-year thing. Depending on what they do in free agency, they could bring in some some help on the offensive side of the ball, especially. But I guess we'll find out. But yeah, give me the Texans minus three. I, I really like the Texans going into uh, coming off of their bye, nonetheless. So. Yeah, and I, I love the head coach there, man. I think D'Amico Ryan's doing a really good job. All right, well, on to a division matchup in the AFC West. You have the Super Bowl champions, the Kansas City Chiefs at 6-1, and one, playing the might be a bottom three team in the NFL, the Denver Broncos. They just played. I know. And the Chiefs are <laughs> minus seven and a half this time. Uh, I mean, I guess I'll take the Chiefs. Sure. Chiefs I, I by mean, 50? No, not by 50, but uh, I mean 13. I mean, the Dolphins did it. Yeah, that's true. No, <laughs> I'd, say, I'd, I'd take the Chiefs minus seven and a half. No, I mean, yeah, me low. too. It seems low, though. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's just because it's strictly a division game, maybe a sneaky cover. You know, maybe Pat's running into the end zone and slides on the one. Um, but anyways, yeah, I take the Chiefs big time. Don't want to sit on this one too long. Ravens, five and two, going to the Arizona Cardinals, who are one and six. And they have the Ravens minus eight and a half trap game. No, really? Absolutely. I think that the Ravens just come off of a 32-point win. They're going to play a one and six Cardinals team. I think this Cardinals team can keep it around a touchdown. I, I don't I don't think that the Cardinals win, but I think the Cardinals lose by five. Okay. I look, I don't think it's a crazy result to think that, but I, I think that I have gotten to the point where I'm just like all in on the Ravens being what I thought they were going to be in the preseason. And this might be it's definitely personal bias, but I I think that seeing what Seattle was able to do in the game yesterday and how they smothered Josh Dobbs if it's Kyler Murray back there, it's a different story. But if it's Josh Dobbs, I have no confidence he's going to be able to do anything against this Ravens defense. So give me the Ravens minus eight and a half. Yeah, see, I'm on the opposite side. I, mean, I like the Cardinals yeah. plus eight and a half, but um, I do like the Ravens to win. Okay. So I'll give you that. But can we talk about how bad they're doing on this uh, this week's primetime schedule? Yeah, well, th this is why the flex just needs to be a permanent thing for Sunday night, at least. Monday night, there's yeah. not much they can do about it, but Sunday night needs to be a flex every single week. I absolutely agree, man. I mean, you got the Bears that are two and five going to the Chargers, who are two and four, and the Chargers are favored by eight and a half points. My heart tells me that the Chargers are not as, as bad of a team as they have been this far into the season. Uh, but my head tells me that I think the Bears might be able to cover, and I don't. <laughs> but but I, I, here's the thing: this, for some reason, this gives like overreaction line because, as much as the Bears had a really good showing against the Raiders, Tyson Bajan's still an undrafted free agent quarterback against 
a what I would deem is like even though he might not be seen as such, it, there was a time where Brandon Staley was one of the best defensive play callers in the league. I, I'll take the Chargers minus the eight and a half, but it terrifies me. You know, I I'll take the Chargers to win. It's a big spread. I don't I don't like picking that with teams that are both under under five hundred wins. Yeah. But we're getting right into the same problem uh, on this, or not necessarily the same problem, but this next game, it's another spread of of eight and a half points. We have the uh, Las Vegas Raiders sitting at three and four going to the Lions in Detroit that are five and two. Like I said, I, Lions minus eight, eight and a half points. Doesn't this just scream bounce back spot for the Lions at home? Absolutely. I think the Lions are going to win this game by two touchdowns, if yeah. not three. Okay, cool. We're simpatico. I agree. Yeah. I, I think that that Monday night game is going to be one of those where, you know, you look down, you realize you have work in the morning. It's already 930. It's halftime. And you're like, well, I'm not watching the rest of this. This might be. I don't know the last time that the Lions hosted a Monday night football game. That's a random stat. You just know off the top of your head. Anyway, I don't know. But <laughs> it just feels like a long time. I, just, I can't think of a time where they've been hosting a Monday night football game. I'm sure that, I know that they've played, but I mean, where it's in Detroit with a fan base who's finally excited for the team in the, in the way that they are viewed as a possible contender this year. Yeah. I mean, the last time they played primetime, they beat the chiefs. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, uh, that pretty much does it for the week eight slate. I mean, we went through 16 matchups there. That was a hefty one. It's like a, the big Mac compared to a quarter pounder. That we oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, but yeah, we're going to roll into the fantasy five. And with the Fantasy Five, we're going to just try and give you some fantasy picks that we think could help you win your matchup this week. Parker, I'm going to let you go ahead and give your lineup this week. All righty. Well, we already talked about um, – I'm going to start with my quarterback. We already talked about this team. We both think this team's going to play well this week. So I went with Gardner Minshew uh, playing against the Saints defense. I think Gardner Minshew, he, we found him at the top of the list this past week. Uh, the Colts are scoring quite a bit of points on offense. They actually have Jonathan Taylor working now to where it might be able to open up the pass game a little more. Um, so I, I'm going to go with Gardner Minshew at quarterback. And my running back is going to be a guy that we haven't been able to put a lot of faith in this year, but now he's he's in the backfield by himself, and that is Jameer Gibbs. Uh, Jameer Gibbs is going to be playing uh, Monday night against the Raiders, and I just see either Gibbs scoring a touchdown early and, and getting a good fantasy start or even the lions getting up to a big lead and Gibbs just eating because they're not going to put the ball in the air and, and, and jeopardize the game. So I got Jameer Gibbs at my running back. This guy's made his way on my list and your list already this year, but I'm just kind of putting him there to emphasize him because I do think he's their wide receiver one. And that's Christian Kirk in Jacksonville. Um, he's obviously getting more targets than Calvin Ridley. Um, he scored the big game winning touchdown this week. I think it was like a 44-yarder. He's a big play monster. I think he's just one of the guys you kind of have to start and roll the dice. I mean, he's he might get you seven or eight points, but he might also get you 19. So I, I like Christian Kirk. My tight end, uh, this is a guy that had a really bad uh, first few weeks, and he's actually starting to come around, um, and that's Dallas Goddard. I think now is the time where you realize you do have a good tight end in Dallas Goddard, and you can start him with confidence without having to look at the waiver wire pickups that you can possibly replace him with. My flex is going to be a guy I don't really have a lot of faith in his quarterback, but he's been getting more targets. Uh, he seems to be the healthiest he's been almost his whole career. Uh, and it's crazy that it's so late in his career, but that's Michael Thomas. Uh, I got Michael Thomas in my flex. He had like 11.8 points this week. I think he's a decent flex option. 
and has more upside than a lot of other uh, flex options slash waiver wire pickups. All right, cool. Thanks, Parker. And going into my lineup this week, I know I mentioned that he can have an okay game. And this is really more of a play like if for some reason you are the Deshaun Watson owner and you just don't have a quarterback on your roster and you have to go pick somebody up off the waiver wire, this is a gross one. I I don't recommend this if you're pretty much set with a top 20 quarterback. But if you're looking for – you just need somebody who's going to get you maybe 18 points. I think Kenny Pickett versus the Jacksonville Jaguars can have a decent enough game to where he can just provide you a baseline to where you can win your week. At running back, I actually had Jameer Gibbs like you, and I don't need to say much more. You pretty much made my case for me. At wide receiver, I actually have Kenny Pickett's teammate, Deontay Johnson. Uh, For his first week back, he was super involved. He ended up, I believe, finishing uh, with 10-plus points. He had a decent week right off the bat, and I think that he is probably the most trustworthy target uh, as far as volume goes for Kenny Pickett in this offense. So uh, I think that he could have a great week against this Jaguars passing defense. Uh, going into my tight end, this guy has not had a great set of weeks to open the fantasy year, but I think that seeing how much he was on the field against the Chargers last week, I think that he could be in for a lot more work going forward after the bye week, and that's Jake Ferguson for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, the Rams are also one of the worst teams against the tight end position in fantasy football. And with tight ends... It really, unless you have one of the top guys, you're going to be in the situation where you're just looking for somebody who has a good matchup who might be able to catch a touchdown. So that's my pick for this week. And then lastly, I like Josh Palmer against the Chicago Bears. Since Mike Williams has been injured, Josh Palmer has proved to be the secondary trustworthy pass catcher for Justin Herbert in this offense. And he has finished with hovering around between eight and even I believe he's had 16 points even in the last four weeks. And I think that against this Bears defense, I think that he could get to about that 15 point range if you put him in your flex spot. So those are my picks for this week. And hopefully we can help you guys win this week. Uh, but as far as winning money, I'm not going to lie. Maybe we aren't the guys to, to, to give you advice on that. Cause uh, Parker, it's time to get into betting bros. And we went 0-6, so <laughs> not great this past week. I'm currently face palming. Uh, I'm disappointed in this, but hey, it can only get better. Hopefully. Uh, as far as totals go, I am sitting in the red, $99.14, and Parker is uh, setting new. You know, the Kelsey's have their podcast, New Heights. We're just going to call this New Lows. And so you have set a new low of being in the red, $575.63. You know, you say that. I'm down $575.63. What week is this? It's only week seven. So this is week so eight. We've, There's still a lot so, of time. So I've I've put up $2,100, and I'm only down 500 Actually, you got a double, so it's 400 a week. Really, I'm... I've I've bet twenty eight hundred dollars and I'm only down five hundred. I don't think that's that bad. It's it could be, it could be worse. It could be better. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I'm just looking at like a real life. I mean, obviously, we this is all fake money, but I I, I same for you. I mean, you've bet twenty eight hundred dollars and you're only down a hundred. I mean, that, you, that's I mean, break even to me. So I'm yeah, good. like that's that's really uh, that you're just betting for entertainment. If you lose a yeah. hundred bucks, I mean, whatever. So, well, but, uh, let's see what picks you have for this week parker see if you can get back on track this week i have some winners i feel it all right well to start with my picks um my first bet i took indianapolis minus one and a half against the saints at minus 106 i think this is just going to be a good game for them to get a win 
I think the Saints haven't been playing well whatsoever. So I, I that's just that's just the pick that I like. I think they can win by two points, no doubt. My next pick is going to be the Houston Texans minus three at minus one hundred two against the zero and six Panthers. Uh, I just the Panthers don't look like they're going anywhere this year, and the Texans look like they might be. So I, I like the Texans in this matchup. I like the quarterback uh, much better on that side of the ball. I like the head coach much better on that side of the ball. I, I like almost everything much better on that side of the ball. So I took the Texans minus three, and my lock of the week. It's going to be for the dog pound, the Cleveland Browns money line plus 126. I just I just see the Browns getting a getting a win this week against the Seahawks, man. I see the defense causing some trouble for Geno. And um that's my lock of the week. That's a bold one. That'll get you right back on track if that one hits. Absolutely. All right. And for my picks, just gonna run through them really quickly. I'm gonna go with uh first one, I'm gonna go with my total for the week. It's going to be Cincinnati and San Francisco under 45 and a half. I just think that there's potential for this to be a much lower scoring game than people may want it to be. The unders have actually been hitting at a high clip this year uh, as far as the first seven weeks go. It's, I believe it's almost like a historic rate for unders hitting, uh, especially in these big time matchups. It seems like there is less scoring than people anticipate. So give me the under 45 and a half for Cincinnati and San Francisco at minus 110. Second line I'm going to take is Atlanta minus one and a half at minus 115. Like I said, I think there's potential for Atlanta to actually be a much better team than Tennessee, considering that these teams seem to be going in opposite directions the remainder of the year. So give me Atlanta minus one and a half. And then my lock of the week is going to be a safe play, but honestly, I I just want something that's going to get me in the green. And that's going to be Houston money line minus 148 against the Carolina Panthers. And like you, I just think that Houston is a much, much better team currently than the Carolina Panthers, who unfortunately I don't think are going to get their first win, not at least this week. So that's all we have this week for the Benny Bros. That's all we have for the two peas on a pod, except for, of course, my least favorite segment and Parker's possibly most favorite segment of the show. Go ahead. It's my second most favorite. I get to go over the dogs. You forget that. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, no, man, this it's time, man. Football for Swifties. So this segment is for all these Swifties out there that have been paying attention to football more often now that Taylor Swift has found her way into the NFL. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you one rule to make your Sunday go by a little faster and maybe to leave you a little less confused uh, while you're sitting on the couch watching. Here is my footballism for Swifties this week. And that is a pass interference and a pass interference is a penalty. It's a flag. Um, it is, it can be caused by either the offense or the defense, but what it is is when the quarterback throws the ball, if a defensive player hinders an offensive player from catching the ball by either grabbing his arm, tucking his Jersey before the ball touches the wide receivers hands, that is considered pass interference. But the same goes for the offense, if the offense pushes the defender away or if the offense grabs a defender where the defender can catch the ball and get an interception, that can also be offensive pass interference. So you'll see that call a lot on uh, Saturdays and Sundays. So that, that is what a pass interference is. Thank you very much for helping everybody understand the game of football just a little bit better, Parker. Hey, man, Even no problem. They probably already know. But Looking okay. out for the, it doesn't matter. I don't care how dumb these rules sound. Swifties don't know. Uh, Parker. Come on, there's there are Swifties out there who know, but but there anyways. I bet there's more Swifties that don't than do. 
I Swifties thought Swifties thought tra- hold on. Swifties thought Taylor Swift put Travis Kelsey on no, the map. No, that was a meme, Parker. That was a meme. That was a meme strictly for the internet. <laughs> I feel like that was actually a thing. No, we gotta I feel get like you most girls. No, we like, gotta get you on Twitter. <laughs> that was you, a meme. <laughs> you know, you know, I heard that Twitter's coming out with a subscription. We have to pay a dollar a year to have it. I still don't think okay. I'd have Twitter. <laughs> okay. Well, anyways, that is our episode of two peas on a pod for the week. Uh, thank you guys for listening. As always, enjoy football for this upcoming week. Enjoy NBA. NBA's back. And Parker, do you have anything else to say before we log off? Yeah, the last thing I want to say is good luck to your Minnesota Vikings against the uh, 5-1 and one, uh, San Francisco 49ers tonight. I hope they can get a win. Thanks. All hope is lost. Have a great week, okay. everybody. All right. <laughs> Peace.